Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts and minds for a time of being in the Word, Lord, that song right there speaks to what we're going to be considering as we think about your goodness to us, the love that we have through, through Jesus Christ. And this morning, I pray, Lord, that as we consider these things, that you would uh, use the Holy Spirit, uh, or he would actually uh, speak to us through the Word. Lord, all the things that we can do is, man, it's not enough, it's not sufficient. But Lord, we recognize that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who uses the Scriptures, your truth, how you've spoken to us specifically to change our hearts, to change our minds. And so, Lord, what we pray is this, that we would surrender rightly to the Holy Spirit today, that you would do a work in us and you would transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to um, ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to be continuing in this message series on loving the church. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to be doing for a, a short season is this. We're going to be having a, a time of questions at the end of the series, uh, the message um, through the series. And we're just kind of experimenting with that. So I would encourage you to do this. As you're listening today, uh, make sure that if you have questions that come up during the message that you jot those down um, or put them in your phone or however you take notes or, or those kind of things uh, so that when we get to the end of the service, you can respond or, or ask those questions. We'll try our best to, to field those things this morning. Um, if you notice that the, the question in the fellowship time was actually bridging a little bit back from last week about what we talked about, our desires, and how our desires shape our focus. It's, it's, we can have values that we look at and say, hey, he, here are these key values, but those values are kind of objects. The desires are what deal with our affections and how we respond to those objects. So specifically, what we looked at is the importance of our desires being those things in the deepest recesses of who we are, how we are changing our inner being so that we desire Christ above all things. And we recognize His glory and the glory that God has given Him as they are one and that we would worship Him, the Lord, rightly. So that's uh, a little bit of last week in a nutshell. So this week, I want to uh, begin with an illustration. Um, as I was studying this week, I came across this and I thought, this is, this is just a, a great story account. I think it's true. I couldn't find the original source, but I trust those. Uh, I, I read it in um, James Montgomery Boyce's work. And so I trust that he sourced this well. He didn't give a footnote or anything, so I couldn't find it. And I scoured the internet. I, I didn't go to any books because I don't know where to go with the books that would have given me the illustration. But here's what he shared. Um, when Napoleon was conquering Spain, and um, this was after the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, he would, the, the Spanish, does anybody remember history with the Spanish Inquisition? Okay, some of you do, good. Um, what was essentially happening is that the Catholics were persecuting the Protestants, okay? And so they were putting the, the Protestants into prison. So this, um, in the Spanish Inquisition, there, uh, as Napoleon went in into this jail, uh, or this, this prison, he found uh, a man who had been incarcerated for his faith, but here's how he found him. The dungeon was underground, and it was years later, and this body had been long decayed. There was only a chain fastened to the ankle of the prisoner that was, that was left. But here's what's interesting. The prisoner had left a message of his testimony scrawled into the wall of that prison cell. And here's what it was. It was a 
rough cross with the words, the falling words surrounding it. And they were in Spanish. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use a translation, okay? Um, the Spanish word for height was above it. The Spanish word for depth was below it. The Spanish word for width to the right and then length to the left. The prisoner wanted to leave a message of hope. And that's what our text describes this morning. We're going to be in Ephesians 3 where those very words are expressed. And we saw this last week as well. But I I think as we begin to explore what it means to know the love of Christ, which which, uh, reaches beyond any height, depth, width, or breadth, we are required as believers to engage with that rightly. But we need to understand what that entails. And here's what ultimately, as I begin to read that and think through this scripture in context, one of the key things that, that really jumped out to me was this idea that this was not just that prisoner's message of, of hope or testimony, but it was a moment for him to teach. And, and I, I begin to think through how many people, whether that been his jailers or Napoleon's troops, came in and saw that message and, and recognized the truth that it taught? How did the Holy Spirit impact people that read that message scrawled on the wall? And and in thinking about the teaching of that, not just the, the simple testimony, but the teaching of that, I began to wrestle with this uh, passage that we'll all be familiar with, and that's the Great Commission. That in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples, teaching them all to observe all things, even as he's commanded us, and then to baptize all people that have come to Christ. And I'm paraphrasing that a bit. But we know this about the the Great Commission. It is, the, the only command in that is to make disciples, okay? That, that's what we're to be doing, ongoing. Now, the interesting thing about the word go and teach and baptize, those are participles that modify that idea of us making disciples. So how do we make disciples? We have to be people that are teaching. And as, as I started wrestling through that with, as, and combined with the ideas of going and baptizing as well as the, those other participles, it made me think about our church map. Now, if you, if you remember back several, uh, probably a year ago now, I, I talked through our, our, talk through our vision frame, that there's these, these pieces to our vision frame that help shape who we are and help us rightly maintain what we're going to do in ministry. And the, the part of the, the vision map, if you will, tells us how we are to go about doing the things that we do. And you'll be very familiar with this. Our map is this, that we gather, that we grow, and that we go. Okay? And isn't it, I, I think that as we wrestled through those terms, we certainly went back to the idea of the Great Commission, saying these are the things that we have to be about as we do missions together. Because gathering what happens uh, when, when someone comes to Christ and, and we're celebrating that? What do we do in our gathering service? We baptize them because it's this entryway into our church life together with them. And, and, and that's that idea. As we grow together, what are we sp- specifically doing? We're focusing on teaching. And I think teaching occurs in the, the gathering, obviously, this time as well. And then we, we go, certainly that aligns with our our, our process of going, that we would 
reach people outside of the walls of the church, and what do we have to do to, to reach them well? We have to teach them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we have this mission statement where we say we want to uh, con um, connect in communities and change lives by doing what? Sharing the love and good news of Jesus Christ. It's not just about connecting. It's with that purpose and end of sharing the love and the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not just enough to share the love of Christ even, right? Because we can share the love by feeding people or serving people, clothing people. But, but if we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ, teaching them to understand their sin and their need for Christ, we've missed the boat. So, so we have to do both. I think the first, sharing the love, is that bridge building to them. And then sharing the good news is the transforming message. So we have to do both. And, and so you can see how all these things begin to tie together. And, and the focus is teaching, that, that we have to be involved in teaching. That, that's really the, this, uh, kind of the, the focus for this morning. So um, let's... Uh, I want to read a quote from, from J. Gresham Machen. Um, guys, uh, there, there's several of us, I think there's about 10 or 11 of us now, that are going to be going over uh, the book Liberalism and Christianity, which was uh, put together by, uh, be, by a group of people uh, based on J. Gresham Machen's uh, address to Princeton Seminary uh, back in 1921. He left Princeton because it was getting so liberal and started another seminary. But it's interesting, when, when you read Machen, one of the things that he is doing is he's addressing the move that uh, American pastors were making, some of them were making to move to a liberal form of Christianity, denying the truth of the Scripture, denying the, the importance of Christian education, uh, de denying even that the, the, uh, the truth of the gospel changes people. They were moving to a totally social gospel. But I think this quote by Machen really summarizes the importance of what it means to be teaching, especially as the church. And, and I want to qualify this. Because in the, this, this quote comes from the last chapter of the book, which is the chapter titled, The Church. He's not, when he addresses Christian education, he's not talking about a private Christian school. He's not talking about public education. He is talking about what happens in the church. Okay, I think that's essential for us to know. So here's what he says. The most important thing of all, there must be a renewal of Christian education. The rejection of Christianity is due to various causes, but a very potent cause is simple ignorance. In countless cases, Christianity is rejected simply because men have not the slightest notion of what Christianity is. He goes on to say, laymen as well as ministers should return in these trying days with new earnestness to study the Word of God. That whips me. Because I think that our world studies a whole lot of stuff. Because we can pull out our computers, we can pull out our phones that are mini computers now. They're not just smartphones, right? They give us as much access in the palm of our hand as it does anything. And we'll study Facebook, we'll study Facebook links, we'll study social media, we'll study all sorts of things. But we won't study the Word of God. Folks, if we're going to be people that are able to, one, stand firm in our faith, and two, able to reach others that are desperate for the hope of Christ, 
We've got to be people of the book. Because the Holy Spirit, yes, he uses our testimony, but he uses our testimony coupled with the word of God to bring people to Christ. The word of God is what is powerful. The word of God is his, the Lord's, specific revelation to us. This is his, and I don't want to say this to be trite, but this is his love letter to us. It reveals, and we say this in our, our core doctrines, it is the supreme authority for all matters of faith. Then are we making the most of it? Because we've got to be people of the word. We need to know it intimately. And that is what will give us confidence about everything else in the world. I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. At least one person's excited about my own personal thoughts and what I didn't prepare for the morning. Folks, as a pastor, people come at me with a whole lot of different things from a variety of different angles. And I'm going to share this one simple truth with you. I think that we have lost the battle to the influence of what the world speaks to us over and against what the Word of God speaks to us. And that could be a variety of issues. I'm, I'm not going to get into all that, but I can tell you those issues are, are multitude. What does the Word of God say? H how are you secure in the Word of God above everything else? That, that's where hope is truly found, in the message of what the Word of God reveals about Jesus Christ. If we, if we miss that, we're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. And you say, well, Matt, doctrine's found in other stuff. Well, your doctrine can be your social media podcast or whatever. If you're not ascribing to the Word of God, everything else is being used by Satan to impact you. Remember, we have an enemy who wants to seek to devour us, and his ways are subtle, and he is manipulative. And if we're not clinging to the word of God and the hope that we have that, that in that that expresses the hope of who we are in Christ, we've missed it. We've missed it. Folks, let us be people who study the word of God. Sorry, off a little bit. Um, so let's look at the text. I'm going to read this and then we're going to break the text apart and we're going to do it in two parts. Um, I'm going to try to do this first one in about seven minutes. So kids, y'all are doing really great, behaving really well. I want to say thanks. So just in a couple minutes, you're going to be coming down here. And I think Miss Kathy and Julianne are going to be teaching Miss Mize leading the song. So it'll be fun stuff for you, and you're going to learn some truth about the Bible and who Jesus is. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, okay? Paul, again, remember, for this reason, points back to verse 1 of chapter 3, which points back to chapter 2, where he's talking for this reason. It's about us as the church being built into this living temple, okay, this holy structure. This is about the church. And, and as we get to the doxology at the end of chapter 3, it becomes uh, obvious that, that Paul is speaking to us as a church for this reason, because we are the church, this supernatural set-apart body with Christ as the head. I bow my knees. I pray to the Father for you. And here's his prayer. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So I want to begin by looking at verse 17. This is, uh, there's an interesting word here. As, as I was studying, I began to, to, to wrestle through this. And uh, forgive me for my poor Greek pronunciation. Uh, Steve was in the office pulling out his Greek pronunciation stuff on Google or some app this morning. And I was like, I'm, I'll try to get it right. So, so here's the idea. When we look at verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word dwell is very, very interesting. It's, it's the root word oikos, which is the, the Greek noun for house, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. When you put a, a compound word together, it becomes a verb in Greek. So, so here's the idea. One of those compound words is par oikos, okay, which means this. It's like a tent or temporary place that, that you can take down. So as Steve and I were talking this morning, one of the things we were, we were emphasizing is that's like the tabernacle. When the, the Israelites were in the wilderness, what'd they do? They tabernacled. They, they would pick up their, their tents and they would march. For 40 years they did that. And they had this tabernacle, this place that the Lord met them, but it was a place that was temporary. Now, the other use of the word, the verb, is a different tense or different form, I mean. And, and that's the form that is used here in Ephesians 3, and that is the form katoikeo, okay, katoikeo, and, and that different form means this, it is that which is settled or inhabited, it emphasizes a place of permanence, a place that has been like uh, occupied by taking something over. Now, you start to hear the difference in this. So, think, so I'm going to put this in real quick terms. Think of the tabernacle of the Israelites in the, the Old Testament versus when Solomon builds what? The temple that is still where? On the Temple Mount to this day, right? And that's been handed over and around, but it is a key spot. It dwells there permanently. Now, here's the idea. Now, let's go look at the context of this and what Paul's getting at. He says in verse 17, so that Christ may... Dwell permanently in your hearts. Folks, let me bring this down to like where the rubber meets the road. Is Christ transient in your life? Where he like comes and goes? That's not how it should be. See, he should be not just a house guest. He should have seized our lives as the Lord and Savior and have ownership. And that's his permanent dwelling with us. And, and it's constant. He's not coming and going. There, there's no, like, passing uh, sense of, of, like, transience. That, 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 just, that word keeps coming to mind. It's not fleeting. It's not here one day and gone the next. He is, should be dwelling in us permanently, that, that he's always part of what we're doing. And, and the truth is he is because the Holy Spirit, as believers, dwells in us. But I think it's the, the idea of the treatment of that because we can shelf him at moments. We can set his priorities aside. We can pursue other values. We can address other priorities and not really at our heart and core 
being, following hard after Christ. Now, now go back to last week's message for just a second. Do we desire Him all the time? Do our desires run to different things? Because He's not really the Lord of our lives. Because we're not consistently surrendering to Him. But we'd rather have the things of this world and follow after those desires rather than following after Christ. See, that's Paul's prayer is that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith because we are, that, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. See, that rooting and grounding changes us. It keeps us with Christ at the core, that, that we would be constantly going back to that. Think about a plant. What happens if you water and spritz just the leaves of a plant? It's going to die. Why? Because it's not, the roots and the ground are not getting the water. We, we have to be rooted and grounded in what? The love of Christ. Boy, it's, it's simple, isn't it? But how rich is it? And boy, that to me is confronting because if I'm going this route, how do we teach? How do we study? How do we do those things so that our lives are watered with the love of Christ so that He is constantly, perpetually dwelling in our hearts and we are focused on a love relationship with Him? So uh, look, look at the, this next part. And, and this is a question that I have. Why do, you, why do you think that Paul's intention is identifying the following things? Okay, why, why would Paul identify these things? And let me point these things out. So verse 17, first of all. So he says that you um, being grounded, actually, let me back up. Let me go to 16, okay? He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, here's an interesting thing. That word you is a plural, okay? So who is Paul addressing here? The church. Now, inner being is singular. So he's saying all of you with each of you in your inner being, okay? So now look at the next thing. Um, so Christ may dwell in your hearts. What's the tense of that? Your is obviously plural again. And then hearts goes back to that plurality idea, that we would, uh, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with whom? All the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? Real simply, what is Paul emphasizing? What is Paul emphasizing? Community, the church, the need for us to be invested in one another. I cannot do my Christian faith isolated and on my own. If I do, I won't remain rooted. I won't remain grounded. I will wither up and die because I need the body. You need the body. And folks, I'm convinced that one of the greatest spiritual pieces of our pieces of spiritual warfare that we've experienced in 2020 and into 2021 is a, a, a consistent attack against the body operating as the body. Because we cannot do Christian fellowship apart from one another. And being isolated, as good as technology is, as much as it provides us some level of connectivity, it is not what we ought to be doing. Because we, we got to be relational. We are wired to be together as the body of Christ. And I'm not trying to, to argue about things, but there's a point that we've got to get back to being who Christ has called us to be as a church, to be in relationship with one another. And that may be in small groups. That's fine. 
But we cannot exist isolated. We've got to measure those things. And we're going to be sharing in the coming weeks how we're going to propose a re-engagement of our church body in entirety on campus. Okay, So be praying for us about wisdom, how to manage those things. Be praying that the Lord be, would be gracious with weather because it's going to be outside. And if it rains, it means transitions. If it's too cold or too hot, it means transitions. Okay, But, but we're praying and looking at all those things. Now, um, let me address one more thing, and then we're going to have the kids come down. Okay, I, I want to address this idea of love. This word here, as we look at verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ. Folks, let, let me say this about the word agape love here. This love is about a self-giving love. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't involve emotions of warmth and compassion. Certainly it does. But it's not defined by those things. Parents, let me give you an example of that, and you'll get this really quick. When you do some things that are loving to your kids, for your kids, do they always recognize it as loving and good? My kids hated it when I spanked them. Right? They, they, they wanted to get out of that however they could. My kids hated it when I grounded them. Juliana still hates it when I ground her. Right? I don't know. I even know the last time you were grounded. You're so perfect. Third child. Lord, please do not strike me down right now. <laughs> but here's the thing. Why do we spank them? Why do we discipline them? Yeah, they don't feel like it's good. They don't feel like it's loving. They don't feel warmth and compassion of that. We do that, and we give, give up things sacrificially. Some things they will never know. Has anybody shelved something in their life for their kids' sake? Yes. Do your kids go, oh, mom and dad, thank you so much for doing that immediately. They just get it. No, they don't feel the warmth and compassion of that, but we're giving of ourselves. And folks, I believe that has to be our mindset in the church. Sometimes I think people are looking around and looking, oh, I don't feel the warm and fuzzies. Well, that's not how we are to evaluate Christian love. We, we need to evaluate it based on our, our sacrifice and giving of one another and how the selfless, selfless acts are. And certainly compassion is part of that. Certainly warmth is part of that. But the more intimately involved we are with one another, and the more we mature, hello, the teenagers that recognize it, as they grow and they come back and go, thank you. Hey, I've shared this with you. We got a letter when Christian was in college that he said, thank you for spanking me and disciplining me the way you did. It took him 20 years, but man, that, was, that letter is like gold, <laughs> right? Why? Because he got the self-giving, sacrificial love that, that we were encouraging him with all those years, and his maturity helped him see it. We need to recognize that as we walk together in Christian love, there's going to be some boundaries in place. There's going to be things that we do as we operate together that are about Christ but may feel strong at times. That's okay, that, that's accountability. It's, it's driving us to the deeper things of Christ so that we would understand the height and depth and breadth of His love. We don't need to make excuses for those things. Instead, we need to understand that we are living in sacrificial love together. Now, what does that mean? I think it means this. As we are reengaging 
it's going to require some sacrifice. We've got to be people who say this is for the good of the body. And, and it may, everyone may not see it. There may be some things that happen behind the scenes. Okay, that's fine. That's great because we're loving the church well. So we're going to be talking about and, and asking for those things over the next several months as we re-engage in ministry, looking to what God wants to do in our body as, at a, on a grander scale as we move through 2021. So, Kathy... Juliana. You, where'd Juliana go? Oh, okay. She's busy. Juliana's busy. She's busy. Okay, kids, come on down. Juliana's busy doing something. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to help you. Am I not helping you? Okay, I'm just digging it deeper. I'll be quiet. Kids, come on down. Grab a seat on the cushions up here. Good morning. Who's tired? Last night was my least favorite night of the year. I really like to sleep. And I didn't get enough sleep. So I'll try not to be grumpy. I'll save that for Mr. Mark later. You do. All right, the last time I got to talk to you, I was talking about the sower and his seeds, and I was getting ready to do my garden for this year. Well, guess what? This last week, I started my garden, and I have a friend who's letting me do it with her at her house. And so we're doing it together, which is really awesome. And I planted lettuce and kale and radishes and peas and I was so excited and then after I put the seeds in the ground I had to water them didn't I Miss Kathy Miss Kathy I have been working in your garden and my hands are just nasty do you see this like ugh, it's just so gross can you please help me get um, it all off like please Juliana I'm trying to teach and you come up here, I had what I was going to do, and this, really? Well, I was working in your garden, and I, I'm i all dirty. Like, I what mean, do I do? I brought my stuff for my lesson, but, all right, let me put this down. All right. Okay. I'm going to have to use this stuff. Sorry, guys. All right, put your hands over there. Rub them together, see if it'll come off. Thank you so much. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? What? That time in the Bible. You know how whenever people would go over to each other's houses, there would be servants that would clean their feet? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Why? Because Why they, do that? they wore sandals all the time, and they were like nasty dirty, like just how my hands were. They were nasty dirty. Did you see them? Yeah. So Jesus and his disciples went to a friend's house for the Last Supper, but there were no servants there to clean their feet. So they just went in with dirty feet. Isn't that crazy? It's nasty. Got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. You came into church with dirty hands. So, <laughs> so Jesus was like, I'm not going to let them come in with dirty feet. So whenever they all sat down, he got up and took off his robe and got 
water and a bucket and soap and a towel, like just what you did for me. And he cleaned all of their feet. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? And then when he was done, he got back up and said, do you guys understand why I've done this? And they were like, no, like, why'd you just clean our feet? Like the servants do that. And he told them that it was because people who care for Jesus or who love Jesus care for one another too. Wow. I mean, that's kind of what Ms. what uh, Pastor Matt was just saying, wasn't it? About that if we're in the church, we should love and care for one another. And sometimes I could have said to Juliana, well, God bless you, Juliana. You got dirty hands. I've got my agenda, and I'm going to do that. But I cared for her, didn't I? And Juliana cared for me because she went and she worked in my garden, and she got her hands dirty doing that. And, you know, the dirt on your hands reminds me of, like, sin. Because your hands were all covered with dirt and icky. And Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and came alive again to make people clean from their sin. When we accept the, G the gift that Jesus gives to us, he cleans us up and washes away all that dirt. He loves us so much, and he set an example of serving others. And so people who love Jesus should love and serve one another, even if it maybe isn't what was your plan. Just think, Jesus washed their nasty, dirty feet. Could have been. So, I find like the best way for me to remember stuff is if I have questions. Now, I'm just talking to you guys, and this just came into my brain, so it could be dangerous if it comes out of my mouth. But... I'm thinking that those questions that Pastor Matt was having us answer or ask at the end of the message might be to help us grown-ups remember. I don't know. Again, that just came into my mind. All right. Question one. Who washed the disciples' feet? Raise your hand. <laughs> Young man in the back. Who washed those feet? God did in, in Jesus, didn't he? Thank you. Who gave an example or showed how we're to care for others? Yes, sweet spider girl. God and Jesus, didn't he, when he was here on earth? Here's a tough one. What are people who love Jesus supposed to do? Yes, sweetheart. Everybody should do this. That's right. What should they do? Love yes. God. Serve others. Exactly right. And we love God by serving others. So a little t t twin, the mouth's not working, twin t t tag team action. All right. Now, we are going to celebrate my absolute favorite special day of the year. I'm not going to call it a holiday because it's more than a holiday. It's a holy day. What is that day in three weeks from today where we will celebrate? Yes, Easter. That is right. And who died on the cross so we could celebrate Easter? Yes, sweetheart. Raise your hand. Yes. 
Who died on the cross? God, Jesus in the form of God the Son, didn't he? All right, well, Juliana, do you have a verse that we could help remember this by? Yeah, I think I do. Have you heard John 15, John 13, 15? Um, I'm sure I have, but can you remind me? Yeah, do you want to repeat after me? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. I've set you an example. I've set you an example. That you should do. That you should do. As I have done for you. As I have done for you. John 13, 15. John 13, 15. Good awesome. Job. Well, Juliana, thank you for working in my garden. Thank you for cleaning my hands. All right. It's a lot better. Let's pray, and then Miss Maya has an amazing song for you. Lord, we thank you that your word um, is perfect. We thank you how you weave together what the adults are learning, what the children are learning, and um, just the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would just change us today, grow in us, and help us to serve others to follow the example that you gave us. In Jesus' name, amen. I need two helpers. Raise your hand. Okay. You sure? All right. Okay. We have two. All right. Three. Max. Let's go. Three. Come here with me on stage and everybody else. Let's get up on our feet. Okay. We have one, two. AJ, did you raise your hand? Okay. Three. Let's go. Come here. So I'm not by myself. I don't like to be. All right. Would you like to come here, boys and girls? Here we are. So we heard that we should be kind to each other and take care of each other. But what if we just heard that and we never did it? Would that, be, would that make us good followers of Jesus? Yes or no? no? No, we need to do it. So cup your ear. Cup your ear like that, everyone. Cup your ear because we're going to listen to the word of God. But only listening, it's like deceiving yourself. Close your eyes because if you only listen, if you don't do it, close your eyes now. It's like you are like a blind person. You need to do it. Okay, let's make a fist and do what God tells us to do. And we are ready for the song. Move a little bit more so we have more room. We are ready for the song. Let's sing it together. Just do it. 
Day, um, the other day, Katie put a video on Messenger that somebody had done. If you've seen this, you'll you'll know where I'm going. It's a, a, probably a little two-year-old, one and a half-year-old. Um, he's standing in front of a TV. The, the mom is shooting from behind him, and it's I think it's Rocky, the Rocky Rocky one or two. I can't remember. But the kid has memorized every move in this little montage, and he's boxing. And it's like hitting the, the, the bag and both sides and the punching bag and doing one-arm push-ups. It was hilarious. So, Maya, thank you for reminding me of Rocky today. I want to stand up, you know, on the steps of, up in Philadelphia and cheer. Um, so, let, turn back to Ephesians 3. Um, we're going to be looking at this idea of comprehending. And I think this is important for us to understand towards the end of this, this uh, message today and what Paul is getting at in this text, because he uses this idea of knowledge and comprehending in, in a way that if we miss it, I think we could feel defeated. And I don't want us to walk away feeling or, or thinking that we're defeated because we're not, we're struggling to comprehend, okay? So if we look back at um, verse 18, he says, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That, that word comprehend actually means to like acquire possession of something. Now, when we use the word comprehend in English, we tend to think of, of that word meaning an entirety or scope. Like, I actually went to the dictionary and I was like, that's frustrating because you, you think we got to know it all. Like, we take an exam to, to find out if we comprehend uh, the, the, the matter or the topic that we've been studying. And if we don't comprehend it, we what? Fail. <laughs> that's not what this word means, okay? This word has the idea of taking possession of it, and understanding who God truly is. Does that make sense? So, so I'll give you this quick illustration. Some of y'all know a whole lot of things about me because I've been here long enough for me to tell lots of stories. Uh, but I was sharing, uh, and, and I'm going to say this out of context, so please understand I was a teenager, and, and it's, it was really not that big of a deal. But some of, I got to talking to some of the guys. You know where I'm going, don't you, Danny? And, and, and I, I shared with them, yeah, I was arrested as a teenager, okay? I was doing something stupid. We thought the school up, up on Missionary Ridge in Chattanooga was haunted. And so it, was, it had actually been a, a, um, a museum at some point. We spent about two hours in there goofing around, and we set off a motion sensor, and the security guard came, and they'd had several people doing that before. We happened to be the ones that got really, like, busted. So I was arrested. I sat in the officer's police car for about an hour on ha in handcuffs, I was scared to death, okay? I was 16, almost 17, I guess. 
uh, I got out of trouble. I don't have a record or anything like that. I've done way worse stuff, honestly. So, but here, here's my point. I can share stories like that. Y'all don't know everything about me, even though you know lots of stuff, right? And, and, and so you know me. You comprehend who I am. You probably understand my heart. You understand, like, my family life and things about it. But you don't know everything. We can't comprehend every piece of information in the world. We certainly cannot comprehend everything about God. But what we can comprehend about God is this, that He is true. We can know the truth of God. We can know that His love is immeasurable for us. And those are the things that Paul's wanting us to, to understand about this idea of comprehension. So if, to, to even prove it a little further, look at what he says as we continue to read. He says in verse 18, we'll pick back up there, that you being uh, rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of, of Christ that surpasses knowledge, <laughs> that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here, here's the, the irony, like the tension of this, that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. You can't know it all. That's what Paul's saying. You just can't know it all. But you can know the truth of it. And so as we think about what we do in our Christian faith and, and the hope of the gospel, it's this, that we would recognize as we study the Word that God wants to reveal Himself to us, and the beauty of the journey is comprehending, growing in that knowledge of Him more and more, knowing that we can never uh, fully ex ex uh, plunge the depths, that we can never fully reach the vast extent of His love. That's the joy of the journey. It's like the beauty of getting to know Him. So I, I read this, and I want to read this quote. And then, then, Steve, you can make your way up here. Um, I, I want to read this quote because I think this is great. Um, this is from John Stott. Some of you guys will know his name. He wrote Basic Christianity, a phenomenal book. Um, did lots of other things. But, but he, he said this, The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind. And, and if we look back... And, and think back to what Paul's writing here in Ephesians 1 and 2, especially chapter 2, that all-encompassing love, it, it expands through all the nations. He, Paul is writing about the Jews and the Gentiles being brought close, being, being made one in Christ. That, that's a beautiful picture. We sang about that this morning as we talked about the nations being reached with the gospel. That, 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 is, that the love of Christ encompasses all of mankind. It's long enough, get this, to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt that sinner to heaven. That's a great statement. Do you know the love of Christ? Do you know the love of Christ? I hope so. I, I want to pray for us this morning. I want to ask you a simple question as we enter to this, this time of prayer. So let's bow together. Heavenly Father, this morning the question that I have is, is not just between you and, and me and us as a church, but it's really for us to think through with you. Do we know your love? Lord, if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice today, I pray that your spirit would move right now and convince them of where they are in their relationship with you and, and understanding that love. For some, it may just be the earliest part of, of understanding that, knowing that Christ died to pay the penalty for their sin, that he rose having conquered death and sin, taking on himself our shame, our guilt, so that by 
confessing Him as Lord and Savior and responding to His work, not our own in faith, we could be saved. So Lord, if there's someone here that's just beginning to understand that, I pray that they would confess You as Lord and Savior. I pray that, that they would repent of their sin and they would acknowledge You as the gracious, kind Savior that You are, Jesus. And for us that have been walking with you for a while, Lord, the truth is that while is short in comparison to eternity. And we ought to continue to, to strive to be obedient in our love for one another and strive to comprehend and know your love, even though it surpasses all knowledge. It's the joy of what it means to walk with you. So, Father, I pray today, just like Paul prayed, that we would know the love of Christ and it would transform how we live with you and with one another. So, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We say thank you for your perfect work of salvation in our lives, and we give you glory and honor, as, as the church is supposed to do. That's that doxology. And I, I want to read that to you, Lord, now as just the end of the prayer. For to you, who is able to do more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the, your power that is at work within us. To you be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, we got some mics that are going to get placed, I think. Um, hey, Kyle, can you do me a favor? Can you grab that mic over there and just set it? There's kind of a black X there. Um, thank you. You got it? Thanks, Angel. Do you know how to turn it on? Are there on switches on there? Is already on? I'm trying to see. Thanks, Perry. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Angel. Um, we're we're going to have some questions on the, the screen. And uh, I just want to take a, a couple minutes for us to focus in on teaching. Uh, Steve's up here as an elder uh, to help field these things, just so we're, uh, you also see and know that we're in unity together on these things. And uh, sometimes it also helps for different minds to get wrapped around this stuff. So here's the, here's the couple of questions, okay? The first one is this. When you think of God's love, what is the most impacting thing about that love, or how has God's love impacted you? We're going to be comfortable with silence, okay? It's okay. This is kind of new. Yeah, Gina. Um, when you think of God's love, what's the most impacting thing about that love? When I think about his love, it automatically makes me think about the depth of my sin. I'm painfully aware of my weaknesses, um, things I've done in the past and things, you know, that go through my head now. And so when I think of God's love, it, uh, causes me in my better moments to worship um, because he loves me despite that sin and he's forgiven me for that. Yeah. Gina, I'm going to build around that a little bit. I like the idea of what you said in my better moments because um, I can also in my weaker, non-so-good moments reject the love of, of Christ still having walked with him 30 years. And so I get the better moments. That That's where... Yeah, considering who I am in my flesh, my sinful nature, the, the way I'm, I have that propensity to be, 
but, but humbled by the, the love of Christ. Those better moments, I do worship. But those weaker moments, I shake my fist and rebel. And that's not, I'm just not proud. I mean, I'm not being proud of that. Do you have any other thoughts, Steve? Okay. Yeah, Perry. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Gina. Very similar to what Gina said, <clears throat> that it's, I don't deserve it. Absolutely. Do not deserve it. And I, and I think of a story that a friend of mine was telling um, about a, <laughs> these puppies that he found, and, and he was trying to care for this puppy, and he was holding that puppy in his hand, and it was fighting against him and biting him and all this stuff, and we were talking about how, isn't that us, that God is holding us with his love, and we just fight him, and we fight and try to get away, yet he still loves us. So I, when I think of his love, I think of that story. Good, thanks. Anyone else want to share what, what the love of Christ means, how it's impacted you, or how it is, you know, changing you. Yeah, Danny. To piggyback off what she said, Gina and Perry, that's the truth. When I think of his love, when I look at the cross, when I hear a song, or when I read about what he did for me, I'm undeserving of it. He's right. I don't deserve it. I was a bad person. I don't deserve my family. I don't deserve my kids. And I, it makes me emotional to think about he loves me. Me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that's, a, that's, that's a hitting literally the nail right on top of the head. Um, John 13, 34, and 35. Um, Juliana, you were talking about in John 15, right, about an example, right? Is it John 15? John 13 also? Oh, that's even better. Um, because in John 13, 34, and 35, it goes on to say that a new commandment I give to you that you love one another how? Just as I have loved you. So what's interesting about that is, is that the example that he set with, with, with being the servant and washing their feet was also in the same breath written by John some many, many, many years later recounting all of that so that in that same depth and breadth of understanding of him serving and washing the feet, he goes on to say, I recall when Jesus said a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, John is specifically referring back to the cross, back to the fact that in obedience, he loved us ultimately, finally, and fully, that he would give his life for those he loves. So, so that self-sacrificial love that, that you're talking about, Danny, is, is literally this. I'm painfully aware that I don't deserve that, but he did it anyway. And so then the moving forward in that, Matt, is then when we say, now we need to love that exact same way. Yeah. Ephesians 1, 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So think about what Paul's writing in Ephesians 3. Now he's expanding on this in 5. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. See, see that's the worship. So, so when we're humbled by the love and we, we have a, this, wa- this ongoing walking relationship with, the, with Christ and we imitate Him, being obedient to Him, it is an act of worship. And that's, what, that's what's pleasing and honoring to the Lord. It's, it's a simple economy in it. But, but that's where that, that house idea of dwelling permanently is so essential. Well, let's move to the next question, okay? Uh, what are the life lessons that can and ought to be applied from this mes- message? personally, and for the church. Jeannie, you can't go first. Okay, okay. What does it mean for us in the everyday living? All right, Rob Jones. Step up to the microphone. Anybody remember that old newsboy song? Um, I think it goes into what you had already talked about. It's, It's we don't have to be perfect in comprehending with all the saints, but we have to put forth that effort to be in in a community in the church, if we're not trying to, if I'm sitting stagnant in my either studies or in my growth in church, then how am I growing personally in my relationship with Christ? Uh, that's kind of it. Yeah. So, so let me follow up with that. How might we fall into the trap of sitting stagnant? That, I think that's the word you use in our growth. Um, what does that look like, and how do we like prevent that or correct that? Am I being clear enough? In okay. the body of believers, yeah, if yeah. we're really in community, if I'm authentic with, like we are in our men's group, it it builds me. The other guys know when um, something's wrong, or if they see just a status quo symbol or it's they help push me along and lead me and guide me and to grow good and part of that I'm going to echo this to Rob um, or or reshape it a little bit is the only way we can know is for us to confess our struggles to one another which is biblical right Mm -hmm. That, that when we confess I'm struggling to to do this well well there's where people can interrupt help hold you accountable, help encourage you towards right living. And that's where the body's so essential. Most of the time we, we hide behind masks and we don't confess and therefore we're, we're living in an inauthentic way that prevents us from rightly engaging with one another. That's the easiest way to live. That's what the enemy would want. But for us to love one another rightly, we've got to, to live with authenticity and transparency. Kathy, thanks, Rob. Um. What I see in this, if you look in verse um, 16 and then again in 20, it talks about the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it is only in the power of the Spirit that is working in us that we can do this. So when I try to do this in my strength just to follow a bunch of rules, 
I will fail miserably. But when I seek to stop, confess, be repentant, and look at that and know that there is a power of Christ that surpasses the height, the depth, and the breadth that lives in me, then I can do that. Yeah. That's the only way. Right, right. And I think that's going back to, if, if we build a whole theology real quickly out of Ephesians, Paul's talked about in 1.13 that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So, so he's indwelling us. And then it's making sure that, that Christ is dwelling in us. And, and that's, that ties back into John 15, where we abide in Christ and He in us. You see, see all those things work together, the, this entire theology of how we get there. It, it is us surrendering to the Lordship of Christ ongoing, that newness, that inner being that's been changed because of Christ in us. But we have to make sure that we're have, it's being surrendered ongoing to His Lordship. Steve? Yeah, yeah. So, um, 2 Timothy 2 is literally what, what you're saying there in, in this understanding. Um, Paul is, is, is encouraging and really exhorting Timothy. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but look at the two words that, that, that are right there next to each other, but of power. And that refers back to what you were talking last week, and that is the, this, where we get the word dynamite. That's the Greek. And, and power always means change. When, when power is enacted, change happens. Why do you use dynamite to, to work on building a highway? Because you need to get rid of large amounts of land that's in the way. Dynamite changes things, right? But then it goes on to say that that power is also coupled with love and self-control. So the evident of, of the work in the Holy Spirit in you is, is that there is change for the glory of Jesus Christ. It is lived out because of love, because of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is because there is a sense of self-control that it is not about me, but it is my self-control under the lordship of the Holy Spirit. So take that verse and couple it back to Romans 12 when it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, on and on and on, because here's the point, Rob, that kind of love, which is self-sacrificing, is reciprocal because all of the church is to be doing that. Not just one or two in the church. Mm-hmm. All is to be doing that. And if all are doing that, then then all of us are recipients of that love. Yeah, very good. Thomas? Um, so I had a friend of mine talk to me a little bit because I was going through some stresses of my new job. And um, she was telling me that, you know, when you pour out a lot into people, like you have to have something to pour back into you. And I think... You know, it's inevitable when we go out as Christians from this church, we are pouring out, you know, God's work through us. So I think that not just on a Sunday basis, but just on a regular basis, there needs to be something that connects us back with the church so that we can be poured into. Yeah. So that's the lesson I think. And and Thomas, the truth is that's not just in a service, is it? Yeah. That's in body life together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly much more lived out in the daily 
routines of life as we encounter one another, which reminds me of, of how the disciples met every day according to Acts 2. All right, Thomas, hit, hit that button since you were so prepared to bring the keyboard with you. <laughs> Last question or off, offer to you. Do you have any other questions or comments? You don't have to. Well, I, I want to say this. I know this is a bit of a risk doing the questions and comments thing, but I think as we start warming up to this, there's some good co- interaction. I think it helps us all realize that the Word of God is far richer than just one passage, that there's a broader theology to all of these things. It also helps us to recognize how the Lord's working in each other's lives, how we're thinking together, and that means this, how we're walking out our faith together, that we're coming not just to worship in the setting of singing songs and sitting under the teaching, but we're worshiping in how we're doing life together. That's the real goal of this, that, that it would offer more like genuine engagement together as a body, okay? Amy, yes, did you have one? I, I thought I saw a hand down here in fleeting. Did, did you have a comment, Amy? Okay, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mary to the rescue. So I think a lot of things, this is kind of what I've been reflecting this whole entire year, is listen. Um, during my devotional and quiet time, I felt God telling me with all this going on, reflect and listen. And I feel like as a church, it's important for us all to listen to a person. Like we might see somebody sitting alone. We might see a family who never comes to things. It, and it could be where they just have been shunned or they might have had a bad experience. And if sometimes that person just wants just to listen, maybe not have an answer, maybe not have something going on. But I feel like as Christians, our job sometimes is to just listen and to remember sometimes Jesus just listens to us in our quiet time. We may not have an answer, but. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because that, that's a that's you, perfect Amy. reflection of being in community. And, and drawing back to what you were saying, if I don't know you, I, I really can't relate. And if I'm doing all the talking, I can't hear from you. I can't listen. I can't learn. And so, so that, that beauty of that Christ-like love is manifest in listening, in engaging, in being in community. And that takes intentionality. And I think that that's, that, that's, a, that's a great word of encouragement for us is that, is that relationally, all of those components, listening, loving, caring, all of those have to be done consistently and in community, being together, present. Yeah. I think sometimes, uh, and Amy, you, you said this about kind of connecting with people. I think there's times that we listen to get the answer to someone instead of listening to comprehend. And, and especially when someone is like, we know they're not a person of faith. I think we go, well, Jesus is the answer. We know we got the answer. Okay, that's true. But how do we make that palatable to them? Does that make sense? That, that we understand and comprehend enough of their story to make the connection to Christ rightly. That, that's contagious, Christianity. 
That's not cactus or chameleon. You, you, you hear me use those terms. So it's, it's understanding how to rightly pre- present Christ to them because we've comprehended enough of their story to, to, to show them where Jesus meets their need. And so that's why biblically we're called to be quick to hear and slow to speak. It's just a very biblical principle. And people need that. That shows that we're caring for them well. And I'm, I'm guilty the wrong way, I'll be honest. To talk too much, y'all know. Thank you for no one saying amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyone else? Any last comments or thoughts? All right. Steve, why don't you pray for us this morning? Father, once again, we are um, a humbled but blessed people as your body, as the expression of Jesus Christ. Give us the courage and the power, the love and the self-control to be authentic and real in others' lives, loving them as you have loved us. By that, the whole world will know that we are your disciples. So, Father, as we go, we go with your, with your blessing, we go with the counsel of the Holy Spirit, but we go to be a light in a very dark world, sharing the hope, love, and truth that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he loves us. And with that, all God's people say, Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's spring break week, so again, remember, Wednesday night programs will not occur. We run with the Robertson County school system on those kind of things. Uh, we do have some people out of town on vacations or leaving today, so I'm not going to name all their names so nobody ha- has their house broken into, but be praying for them um, as they leave uh, for the week and enjoy some family time. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back here next Sunday, especially thank you for making sure that your clocks were set and getting here on time today, uh, not, not early, I guess, or late, late, yeah. So have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. <laughs>